0: And welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host Sam Vicini. As you noticed in the intro there, that was Matt Cox counting down and we got pretty close actually that time. We almost lined it up perfectly. This is the Game Theory Podcast. We're here to talk about college basketball today. And to do so, I've got three of my favorite people in the media to do it. Aww. Three of just the absolute... Uh, Most beautiful human beings in all of sports media, especially all of college basketball media. It's Jim Root. It's Kai McKeon. It's Matt Cox. It is the three-man weave, and we're here to preview the college basketball season a little bit. Why are we doing this in September? Well, Jim, Matt, and Kai played a critical role in building out what is being referred to as the almanac, which is... I don't know. What do you guys want to call it? The Field of 68's like big preseason college basketball Bible, I guess, is a fair way to put it.
1: Yeah, the Field of 68 doesn't get to own it. It's a shared venture. It's a joint venture with three-man weave and heat check college basketball and verbal commits. But yeah, it's a giant preview magazine, digital magazine with breakdowns of every single team. Sam, we think it has the potential to be the
2: second best almanac ever created behind poor Richard's. Uh, ben Franklin <laughs> Almanac so that we think we have very high high hopes for it you know in the grand historical scheme of, of Almanac's
0: well I I also have high hopes for it after I found out you guys did a majority of the work as opposed to Dosser and Goodman yeah, so right. that makes me happy uh just knowing that you guys were the main people behind it makes me feel like there's a good chance that this will actually be valuable for people I have no question that it will be now that they're involved so everyone when does it come out give me a date guys September twenty sixth, twenty twenty two.
2: It's really September
0: twenty sixth, twenty twenty two. We're recording this on That's September twentieth. Right. This won't go up until uh, September twenty third. So you're still going to have three days to go and buy this thing at the pre order link, which I will put in the show notes here, both on YouTube, where you can watch Jim Kai, Matt, and I talk, and I'll put it in the show link on. Apple, Spotify, all of the different podcasting apps that you can watch and listen to. Uh,
1: Yeah, if it's before it's out, use promo code hoops and you get 20% off. So instead of $20, it's 16. And we all like saving money. So definitely use that.
0: Yeah, that is key. Okay. But we're going to talk about actual college basketball today. This is not just a two-minute preview for this almanac. Some of the stuff we're going to talk about, it's going to be pretty general. Like, I just want to dive deep into college basketball uh, from a, I don't know, 5,000-foot view. Like, uh, I want to take a look at all of the major things and kind of prep listeners for what's going to be a fun college basketball year, a weird college basketball year, where it feels like there are a lot of bigs. It feels like there are some veteran teams that have returned that are going to be really fun to watch. And then there's an influx of a interesting freshman class i don't know how strong in general the freshman class is but i think that there is a lot of real talent so let's just kind of go around i will start with kai oh where do you see college basketball sitting right now i mean how do you just kind of see what college basketball is in 2022 2023 uh now that we have all of these transfers we have all of these uh freshman commitments we have all of these weird things that are occurring that are new and novel to the past of college basketball yeah i think it's better
3: than ever frankly before ucla and usc go to the big 10 and ruin everything uh but no it, it the talent level is as high as it's ever been i think you have a deeper pool of actual contenders than you've seen in the past especially final four contenders And I think you have some real elite, elite squads this season in a Gonzaga, in a Houston that we've kind of been lacking the last couple of years. Truly, truly elite teams. So good spot.
1: It's a different sport than the NBA now, Sam. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit because of how the NBA sucks up the wings and the guards and and the guys with the positional versatility that can go guard different players in, in the pros. So the bigs are the ones that linger in college basketball. And so there is sort of a lean to that as you look at like the national player of the year odds and some of the returning All-Americans, there's a lot of bigs. And also some of that is the NIL stuff because there's monetary incentives to come back to school now. These guys are making big bucks. So it it may not be identical to the NBA, but we've always loved it for its differences from the NBA, and and we will continue to do so, won't we, Matthias?
2: Yes, differentiating from the NBA is like, as my sort of old curmudgeon traditional college basketball purist, its soul likes to you know go after i just the more we can maintain the uniqueness of the game is is what i want that's that's where i think the alignment stuff kind of ruins it um the transfer market while necessary evil i think does rub fans the wrong way and the fact that they don't kind of attach themselves to players that they watch year over year and grow like within the continuity like the kansas mid-o's teams right guys would be there for 20 years um <laughs> I, I worry about like the old Purest fans out there getting turned off. But I think everything that's changing is like a good thing for the game long-term and like it was going to happen inevitably. So why try and swim against the current, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's, Except- it's interesting. Like it feels like college kind of took some pieces from the NBA in terms of player movement and like being able to make money and, you know, added some of those pieces in terms of roster building and honestly, I think that like that's the stuff that makes the NBA a year-round sport in a big way. Right. Uh, and his like kind of dominated conversation. So I think it was really smart in many ways to continue to allow college basketball to have some breadth within the marketplace, uh, and within just like the news ecosystem in terms of value. Yeah. And then on the other side, on the court, it's just diverging further and further away from college or from the NBA which is really interesting in and of itself, just in terms of bigs, post-ups. Like, Zach Eady is probably not going to play in the NBA, but he is going to be one of the most valuable players in college basketball this year. Armando Baycott, Drew Timmy, these are guys that the NBA just, frankly, weren't all that interested in. Uh, Otherwise, they would be in the NBA right now because you make more money in the NBA, uh, in some cases, maybe not Drew Timmy's case, uh, than in college. So it is interesting to see where, it feels like they've picked and chosen little spaces from the NBA and from professional basketball while also diverging in real ways that allow it to maintain its own unique place within just like the sports ecosystem. I kind of love it now. Like it's beautiful. It's not like a one
2: month, three week sport anymore. Right. I think there is some interest and intrigue in the off season, right? Obviously we'll never touch the NBA free agency palooza, but, it's nice to actually have some big news drops in August, in July Yeah, but transfers.
0: You yeah. know what? Like, guys, I'll tell you this. The transfer rankings that I do every year now with CJ Moore, did them with Brian Bennett in the past. Those are the things that just slightly behind probably the draft guide get the most like views, get the most mm-hmm. interest of anything I do all year. Wow. Uh, it has become a very real important thing. Uh, to track within college basketball, like it's more important than recruiting now. I think for the college basketball uh, game, but that's enough about just like the state of the game. Uh, I think people want to know about the teams, so I'll just start with this basic, simple, baseline question. I mean, who is the favorite to win the national title this year? Like, I, I can tell you based on BetMGM that Kentucky, Gonzaga, North Carolina, and Houston are all listed as co-favorites at ten to one. Uh, again, that's from BetMGM, the sportsbook partner of at The Athletic. But wh- where do you guys fall? Because it feels like this thing is as tightly contested as I can remember. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine teams. Somewhere between ten and sixteen to one, and those are all of your nine favorites. That is just a wild uh, amount of like talent right there. That is just tightly competing at the top. So let's start with. Kai, again, who do you see as the favorite to win the national title this year? For me, it's Gonzaga. That's been my, my national
3: favorite every single year, though, for the last five years or so. <laughs> uh, but, but it's true. They, they really don't have any weaknesses. They, yeah. As far as I can see, you look top to bottom. Drew Temme coming back for what seems like his 10th season in college, right? Arguably the best player in the country. You have Strather, who could be an All-American on the wing. Possibly an, an NBA guy, too. Uh, Sam, I have to check with your rankings on that one. And then their guard plays really yeah. good. Malachi Smith from Chattanooga was SoCon Player of the Year. Nolan Hickman, Receiver Bolton. Uh, just tons and tons of talent and depth. Backcourt and frontcourt make them my favorite. But as you said about the, the odds that you're seeing at MGM and other places, it really shows you how tight it is at the top this year. Something we've seen uh, or haven't seen in the last few years in college basketball. It's very competitive. A lot of different teams can win it, I think, this season.
1: Jim? Yeah, I'll go Houston. I think of that group that you mentioned, the top four, they're the only team whose best player is a guard, or likely is a guard, and I I still lean towards that backcourt. I mean, I think the, the 2021 Baylor team is maybe the best college basketball team we've seen in quite a few years, maybe since 2015 Kentucky, and they just had three different playmakers on the perimeter that could attack mismatches that could light it up from uh, the perimeter. And I kind of think we'll see something similar with Houston between Sasser, shed and Traymond Mark. And you just know the Cougars are going to defend like crazy. They they challenge every single shot. They're one of the best teams year over year in defensive three-point percentage, which is usually not predictive or, or controllable for a, def- uh, for a defense. And yet Houston has found a way. So I, I just am very content with the coaching, the guard play, the young influx of talent that they have coming in that we'll cover a little bit too, but it's Houston for me, Matthew, where, where do you reside? I give
2: it the slight edge to Gonzaga. but I think the broader point, like Kai mentioned, I'm just looking at like the Ken Palm Gonzaga list of teams. Historically, I think this could be the worst team fuse had in the last five years, and it could still be the best team in the country. <laughs> like I, I think this is a year of no yeah. great teams, a lot of really, 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 really good teams. So that's why I think it's fun, right? We, we won't be talking about this team. Like we talk about, like, we romance about the Villanova teams. We romance about the Anthony Davis, Michael Gil- Gilchrist, Kentucky team, right? But I think this is the year where you have you know, legitimately 15, 20 teams that have a chance, I think, to, to cut down the nets.
0: I think that's right. Like, it, it feels totally crazy. Like, you look at a team like even Tennessee. Like, I know that a lot of the – um a lot of the projection, like early season stuff, is really, really high on Tennessee uh, because their defense is basically always consistent. They have a lot of returning upperclassmen. You know, Santiago Viscovi, Josiah Jordan, James. They bring in Tyree Key with whatever he can get or they can get out of him. Uh, Kamwa, you have Zakai Ziegler. Like you have a lot of guys that could actually be really valuable pieces for Tennessee. Like that team is probably going to compete near the top of the SEC this year. And it feels like they're like not even being discussed. You look at, for instance, where they are in terms of like winning the national title. I think that they're something like the like 15th favorite at 25 mm-hmm. to one. And that team, like, I think has a genuine chance if some of those guys break out. And if Tyree key is healthy. So like it, a, it does.
1: There are many Gonzaga of people are skeptical because of past tournaments. Like Gonzaga hasn't won. So they're not going to be, yeah. the, they shouldn't be the favorite. Rick Barnes hasn't made a second weekend in forever. So they can't be, a favorite, but we always we always rebel against tournament narratives because it's such a luck based event that you don't want to put too much into it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. But let's spend a minute here and talk about Houston because I, I think Houston is going to be my favorite team this year. Uh, they are loaded in the backcourt with Marcus Asser and Jamal Shedd. They have legitimate wing talent in Tremon Mark, Terrence Arsenault, and I will tell you this: like I have heard awesome things about Jairus Walker uh thus far uh anyone that has seen him play this offseason has just been like very very excited about what he's going to bring to the table for houston just in terms of playing hard defensive ability uh scoring prowess uh you look at uh just the depth that they have i mean I, i guess that like you could complain that they don't have a ton of true bigs but I don't know. Like they're going to be able to play small with Jarrus, maybe even at the five at times, and just switch everything and be hyper aggressive. And they're going to be almost impossible to guard if they do that because uh, Shed and Sasser are, are going to have space. They're both pull up shooters. Like it's it's going to be tough, I think, to deal with Houston this year. Well, they're so yeah, f- it's
1: physical. Like the, it, yes. the size guys. It's like less. I'm less worried that they don't have a six ten monster center because every guy is such a bully. They're all strong. They clearly spend time in the weight room. Kai, they're they're, they're oh, yeah. a hop off the bus type of team. That's right. Um, so yeah, I'm not as I'm not as worried about the big Kai, but I, I just I think that team's going to be dominant.
3: No, I, it's because they're so well coached. They're they're well coached. Yeah. They're They're positioning on defense. They're rebounding literally rebound drills every single practice. I think Calvin Sampson's the best coach in the country. Uh, period. And I think he's proven that over the last five years. It's just now everyone's starting to notice that with Houston. They were awesome last season. They were awesome two years ago, three years ago. Now the cat's out of the bag. And that plus this five-star talent coming in and Walker, that makes them very scary, very dangerous now on everyone's radar.
0: It felt like there was a significant, like marginal advantage to betting Houston, just with the Mm -hmm. Samson factor uh, the last few years, just because people like didn't, quite recognize it because yep. he has right. that like stink on him from the bullshit like texting scandal, Indiana, quote, right? yep. unquote, <laughs> which is all now legal in that Indiana yeah. <laughs> that's all now legal and everything. Yeah. But like, I, I feel like he went drastically underrated as a coach just for so many years because he had that stink on him for whatever reason that people seem to care about, like the stupid rules that the NCAA enforces and, uh, it, it was awesome. So I, I guess like I'll follow up with this. Who are the coaches in the country that you guys trust most outside of Samson uh, in terms of getting the most out of a single roster and in terms of in-game management adjustments? I'm,
1: I'm kicking this to Matthias. I think he's got, he's got a. Oh, here, opinions we go. here I think the get
2: gets the most out of the least. If we're going to use that criteria, and I think there's a million ways to skin this cat, but I think Randy Bennett yeah. last year was was sort of yeah. reminded people what an awesome coach he was. Um, had that COVID ruined season the year prior, and I think people kind of s- slept on them, and they snuck up on people last season. And that roster was good, but not overly talented. I think he's kind of engineering. This new sort of mini wave. I I, t- I talk about to Jim behind the scenes. Like, he was all pace and space and imitate Golden State Warriors for years. Now I think like the new cheat code is inverting the floor with like playing for the post and trying to find an awesome post up guy who you can pass and you can play through whether it's a guard or or a big. And you've seen St. Mary's, Wyoming's been kind of the, the the big adopter of that too. I think Ben is just like an all time rolls with the changes, adapts with the times adjust to his roster better than anyone in the country on a year-to-year basis
3: yeah i I probably would have said chris beard a couple years ago but i now i think it might be mark adams i mean you saw what he did with texas tech expectations were kind of low for that team last year and sure they have talent but it's not overwhelming five-star talent and he did a great job last season so he comes to mind along with ben i think that's a great answer for matt uh, as well
1: scott drew is another guy i love just because yeah. he's kind of adapted and and you know we we didn't really mention last year samson dealing with the injuries to sasser and mark and maintaining a thoroughly elite squad baylor had the same thing uh, lj crier got hurt langston love didn't play a single minute all season jonathan Chamwa chachua got hurt late in the year and they were still one seed and were in the overtime against north carolina uh although they got down big in that one but Uh, He's just been able to roll with punches in a similar way to Samson, and I I always feel like he's getting pretty close to the max out of his teams these days.
0: Yeah, I want to talk about Baylor for a second. Uh, I I want to see more out of Mark Adams. I will say that. Uh, I want to see what they look like this year, I I guess. Uh, I always trust the defense, but I hated a lot of what they did offensively last year. <laughs> so I have some concerns there, uh, but let's talk about Baylor. Cause I think Baylor is going to be a fascinating team this year. Scott drew is so good. It mm-hmm. just running sensible offense that like you, you watch their team and it's just like, this just makes sense what they're running every single time down the court. They play pace and space. They figure out how to make it work defensively. I, I love watching Scott Drew teams, they're probably my favorite teams in the country now uh, to watch offensively. I think that what they do is just like intricate and smart and it has the right principles, like everything that they do makes sense to me. And this is again, a loaded Baylor team in terms of offensive talent. You look at guys like LJ Cryer, who is a monster pull-up shooter. Adam Flagler is a monster pull-up shooter. Keontae George is a monster pull-up shooter and scorer. Uh, you look at the team that Baylor had that won the national title in 2020 uh 2021 i'm sorry it is kind of a it's a different version of this but it's a pretty similar roster construction to that team and they still have the bigs and flo thamba and whatever they get out of jonathan chomel chachua coming off of the knee injury uh and then you have langston love you have jalen bridges is like the big four Mm -hmm. switchable versatile corner three-point shooter that uh will be valuable for them I think that they are going drastically under the radar, especially if Keontae George is who I kind of think he is after that Canadian tour that they took this summer.
1: I've been kind of sitting on the Texas showdown in Houston for the national title all year, like all offseason. I've been saying Houston, Baylor, two best backcourts. Apologies, I guess, to RJ Davis and Keel Blub at North Carolina, but – I just think those teams are loaded with multiple playmakers. Matt, I know you've been in, in on Baylor for quite a while this offseason yeah. as well. And they were just they were limited last year, but now they have all their big guns back, and it's going to be quite a quite a year. Yeah, they have kind of this guard you type of mantra starting to develop.
2: Like whatever guards they bring in the next six years, I'm going to probably think they're going to be awesome. You know, that just that with you know it's Mitchell and T. And Butler, and now with Flagler, Cryer, and even Love, I think kind of has a reputation. Like, I'm just going to bet big on every guard that that Scott Drew rolls into that program for the next five years until he has a couple of duds. Um, But at this point, man, I just, you're right. It seems like the Houston, the Gonzaga, you know, the Kansas, the Blue Bloods, Kentucky Dukes are somewhat overshadowing Baylor. Um, So I'm just sad to see my guy, Matthew Meyer, go.
1: Kyle, you, you remember when, like, is Scott Drew good was a storyline? Yeah, like, <laughs> oh, he, we can't trust him in the tournament. He's They're, they're going to give out. It's like, I guess coaches get better, too, you know?
3: That's why those narratives are silly. They said the same thing about Jay Wright until he won two yeah. titles in, what, three years, four years. Uh, yeah, he's an incredible coach, Scott Drew. He's just like Kelvin Sampson. And his team's, I think, nine straight years, top ten offensive rebounding rates. It's, it's a lot of the same pillars that Sampson has. It's a very disciplined team. Plus talent equals national title contender. But at, at, before we make every Kansas Fet fan
2: irate, let's go ahead and mention Bill Self. in this conversation. Sam, I think you brought up yeah. his name explicitly when we were in New Orleans talking about you know underrated yeah. coaches. Obviously, the time yeah. was 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 pretty you know lamentous there, but. He can coach too.
0: He's, he, he's the one. Yeah. yeah that The in game I trust most. I think he is the so, best in game coach in the country in terms of knowing what ATO to queue up, knowing what adjustments to push, knowing what lineup, uh, you know, can go out there and make a big change in the game in terms of momentum. Uh, I trust everything that Bill Self is doing. It, like, he runs the right sets at the right time. Like, he knows exactly what mismatches to hammer time after time on the court. I think Bill Self is. Absolutely a genius basketball coach. Yeah, uh, I know
1: they, they, yeah. they like for so long were known as the two big high low like machine, and then he swept into four out with Sabi McKay. Look at the yeah. four, the two point guard stuff. He's been kind of ahead of the curve on uh, yeah. playing with a bunch of big wings last year, and and a true post threat in the cormic Like he, he's just adapted to all different kinds of rosters and wins the Big Twelve almost every year, no matter what. So yeah, he. he yeah. Totally deserves a mention there.
0: And, and I'm very interested to see what that team looks like. I do think I would have Baylor ahead of them in the preseason, just in terms of like talent level. Uh, and Scott Drew, obviously, as we just talked about, is an incredible coach. I, I just don't know what to expect out of Kevin McCuller jumping into a more centralized, potentially offensive role. Uh mm-hmm. Jalen Wilson being the go-to guy now, essentially. I thought he had a great close to last year in the regular Mm -hmm. season, but I just don't totally know what to expect. And then, I mean, do they get enough from the freshmen, I guess? Like, Grady Dick, MJ Rice, uh, who's the big? Udo? Uh, Uday? 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 Yeah, Yeah. Uday. Uh, So, like, uh, do they get enough from those guys to make up for the questions that the upperclassmen could potentially bring. I I think that they probably can, but I I, want to see it, I guess is what I would say before I like jump into Kansas, but Bill Self will coach them up and he will put them in the position to succeed at the very least. We're talking about players securing the bag. When they get drafted in June. I need to tell you about securing your internet connection with Nord VPN. What is a VPN? It's a virtual private network. A VPN reroutes your traffic through a remote server, encrypting it in the process. This is going to hide your location from your ISP hackers and from other people looking to get your data. Everybody knows that I watch as many movies as I can. I think I've probably watched like 40 or 50 this year already. somebody who's always on the go, connecting to public Wi-Fi is a necessity, but it's also just a goldmine for hackers. That's where Nord comes in, creating a secure tunnel for my data to travel through away from prying guys. There are other benefits to Nord as well. Your browsing history is yours and yours alone. Your virtual location is masked from those who seek to track your every move. It's like having a force field around your online identity. Nord VPN also goes the extra mile with threat protection. Malware, trackers, dodgy ads, they're all going to get blocked. It's like having a shop blocking big around your devices 24-7. Game Theory is offering an exclusive deal for NordVPN. You're going to get four extra months and up to 75% off subscriptions. Just head to nordvpn.com slash gametheory, G-A-M-E-T-H-E-O-R-Y, to claim your account. Plus. With Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Go to nordvpn.com slash gametheory to claim your account, nordvpn.com slash gametheory. Guys, I can't emphasize enough uh, how much I use Nord every day of my life. Uh, Nord is a fantastic sponsor for us. So go support Nord, and it's a great product. So nordvpn.com slash gametheory i think that the next place i want to go jumping off of kansas is the idea of these blue blood programs because kansas obviously fits this bill and then North Carolina, Duke and Kentucky are obviously three of the top 10 teams entering the preseason, again, for different reasons. North Carolina returns all of R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, Armando Bacot, Leaky Black, you know, number of really high level players that made the national championship last year. Uh, Duke brings in a freshman class loaded with like bigs more than anything with Kyle Filipowski and Derek Lively. Okay. And then Kentucky has this like mishmash of both where it's Caseen yeah. Wallace and Chris Livingston coming in, but they also retain Oscar Shebway and you know, guys like Jacob Toppin and severe Wheeler and guys like that. So which of those three teams, K- uh Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, do you trust most? I will start with Jim.
1: I'll say Kentucky, uh, and it's interesting with the potential change in the uh, the one-and-done rule. Like he, It's almost like Calipari's seen that coming, and he's started to adjust where yeah. he's not as reliant on one and duns anymore. He's, he's really ventured into the portal. They've gotten some seriously key pieces out of there. Uh, they've mm-hmm. got C.J. Frederick from Iowa and Antonio Reeves from Illinois State to be their kind of wing snipers give them spacing around Shibue, and is an awesome defensive player too like a great hands he, oh, he's really mobile j- jam.
0: <laughs> No oh, I, think I think he is No
1: I, I'm not right saying he's going to go be a pro level like guard in space in the nba
0: watch He's the st peter's game they, they like he got obliterated by st so, peter's DeAndre
1: Ayton got obliterated by buffalo too and he wasn't a horrible <laughs> defender he ended up just fine that's true
0: I agree. everybody hey, that, has hey, a bad... that,
1: that buffalo team is a tbt juggernaut by the way we can talk about that later
0: i think that i think she weighs pretty overrated on defense i'll be honest I, I think he really hmm. struggles in space and i think that uh his rim protection isn't quite as good as what I agree with like the hand stuff and like he's typically yeah, like disruptive in a real way and there is real value to ending possessions defensively for sure but yeah when I watch Oscar I'm like oh yeah that's a guy that I think coaches can kind of scheme basically to take advantage of
1: yeah that that's why he's not in the pros right now like he, because he right. can't defend totally. in space but I think he can still be thoroughly dominant and, uh, dominant in college and because they brought in some shooting, like at, at this point, if you say Wheeler and Shibuya, are their two best players. Neither of those guys can hit a jumper, but they added stuff around them. And it sounds like Wallace is a badass in practice. Like a, he's a bulldog defender, downhill beast. So I'm excited. Badass is
0: the play. right way to put it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: Okay. Um, so for me, it's Kentucky, Matt, Kai. Kai, I'll kick it to you. Which, which one? Because I know Matt wants to wax poetic about Duke. Yeah, that's my answer. Well, I'll
3: take take UNC then. Uh, Although I like the Kentucky answer because it's what I like most about Calipari teams when he has the combination of experience plus awesome freshmen. I feel like he tends to do a lot better than just freshmen only, but UNC is a pretty easy answer because it's basically the same team that made the championship last year, and you just replace Brady Manick with Pete Nance, who might be better overall than Manick, and that's saying a lot because that guy was freaking awesome in the tournament last year, but Nance is so versatile. Uh, also, a great passer, can shoot, rebound, does everything on the floor. And I, I keep holding out hope that Caleb Love gets um, a little bit smarter on the basketball court this year. Stops taking too many hero shots. R.J. Davis, you know, it, it, he's he's more of a steady presence back there. But him and Love, you know, for all their inconsistencies and in the narrative around them, that's a pretty good backcourt and probably the best
0: in the country. So I, I, I just want to note here on Kentucky first. Uh, before we move to Duke, because I think Duke is an interesting conversation in and of itself. And I'm sure that Matt's going to talk about Duke. Uh, When John Calipari teams have shot at least 35% from three, their track record in the tournament. In 2019, they shot 35.4% from three Elite Eight. 2018 35.7 from three sweet 16 35.3 percent from three in 2017 elite eight uh the 36.6 percent number that they shot in 2016 that was the round of 32 team that if i remember correctly did they lose to indiana does yep. that sound that right yep. kevin, kevin knox team i think right or no, it wasn't kevin knox it was that Uless was the jamal i thought it was the murray and yep. ulis team yeah right?
2: right it's a great
0: um, iu team yeah, 35% in 2015, Final Four. Uh, and then in 2012, they shot 38% from three, won the title, 39.7% from three in 2011, Final Four. So when John Calipari teams have shot well in the past, like I think this team has potential to do uh, with guys like CJ Frederick, assuming he can get on the court for a, a number of minutes. Uh, Antonio Reeves, those two guys specifically as sport floor spacers that should shoot over 40% from three. They really do tend to have success. Like I think that, that is a critical factor here, especially when surrounding Oscar Shibway, particularly who is going to get a ton of offensive rebounds, create a ton of second chance opportunities. They have a chance to be a really, really good offense this year, especially when, you know, severe Wheeler is going to have actual space to operate right. uh with Oscar, just kind of, you know, attacking the offensive glass off of his misses. Cause he's not the best finisher at the rim. Uh, North Carolina, I think is awesome. <laughs> I think they're going to be great. Uh, they're the team that I would pick here in terms of just trust. Part of it is exactly what Kai said, like Pete Nance. Uh, I think Pete Nance is awesome. I think mm-hmm. Pete Nance is super, super valuable. Um, a bit different than Brady Manic, just cause he's a real, uh, defensive player and Brady mm-hmm. Manic, I think, got a little bit underrated defensively. I agree. Yep. Yes. Is- yeah, like Nance's ability to be it's like a legit it's difference. Yeah, it's, he can be like a difference no, maker agree. as like a rim protector next to Armando Baycott while also stepping out and spacing the floor from three, uh, in a similar way. Although maybe not as like mobile versatile in terms of the sets you can run, uh, that you could with Brady Manic. Uh, that team's going to be awesome as long as Caleb Love, uh, is doesn't like shoot them out of games occasionally. I think they probably have like a little bit of a variance factor because of that, like potential. Um, Matt tell me about Duke though because Duke is a fascinating group here.
2: They are. Uh they have a new basketball coach. I call him Coach S. I think that's been <laughs> dubbed somewhere else. I don't want to be like the I don't want to mint that in my yeah, own creation but the coach S um yeah it's it has actually a lot of the 2016 similarities to it where it's most it's a lot of freshmen but it's mostly in the front court and they have a veteran presence in the back court. Now I'm not saying jeremy roach is quinn cook reliable and they don't have a a a co-pilot as good as tyus jones was but you're talking 15 are you talking 15 15? sorry 16 15 thank you (laughs) my my years are off 15 uh the year of the three dominant squads uh kentucky and wisconsin but i think roach proved he was like an elite lead guard last year down the stretch i think the light bulb clearly flicked on and all of my duke love is sort of agnostic of the fact that jurek whitehead's injury seems to be kind of a thing now and i don't I think he's pretty key to this team's success. It seems like he has all of the makings of a college player who comes in as like a five star, but like is college ready. Like he's not a project, he's polished, has a good feel for the game. Um, And then just the size up front, I think they're going to be able to protect the rim. I mean, Shire emphasized that in our almanac discussion. Like, like we can really protect the rim. And I kind of thought they should have done a better job that last season with Mark Williams. But like, you look at their interior defense stats, they were good, not great. I think they'll actually be better in that department this season. Um, so they have a good high defensive foundation. I think they have a deeper, more balanced team than they, have, than they had last year. And they have a coach who, quite frankly, is going to, I think, pull levers and push buttons when he needs to, as opposed to sometimes sort of reverting to rooting for the talent that he acquired.
0: <laughs> Do <laughs> you that for a- dare – do you dare question and besmirch the legacy Never of happened. Mike happening? It's all
2: Coach S and looking ahead. Duke fans have to turn off the review <laughs> and you have to look forward from the the beacon that is Mr. Shire. He is your future. Oh. You have to follow him devoutly. And you have to also shame Coach K as you do it. That's part of the thing. <laughs> to, it's like a loyalty show to Coach S. You can't kind of have
0: your, your feet on both sides of the fence
2: there. It's
0: not how this works. <gasps> Oh, my goodness. Yeah, right. I just have no idea how this is going to operate at Duke, I guess. Like, that's my thing. I think they're going to look better offensively. I will say that. Like, watching Duke uh, got a bit... Duke's talent, like, overwhelmed teams offensively, and right, they right. were just, like, so gifted that they made it work. But, like, watching the way their offense ran, like, was pretty ugly at times <laughs> over these last, like, five or six years, I thought, with Coach K. Um Defensively, I'll be interested to see how they make it work with Filipowski and Lively. I will say that it's going to be—they will protect the rim. I totally agree with that. I think that Filipowski has enough skill to play the four in the college game offensively. I don't know about defensively necessarily, just in terms of mobility. But like Filipowski can handle the ball, he can pass really well. He's a shooter. um You won't get as much out of him in the post just because Lively's going to be there. But like. I really like Philipowski's skill level. I think he's probably the guy I would trust to like. I think he'd be the guy that will lead their team in scoring. Wow, Matt! I think it's Matt's, Whitehead. Matt thinks I'm just he's kind of coach.
2: selling Filipowski this year. I, I think I love I think Filipowski
3: too, man. Yeah.
0: I, I think the he only?
2: Is, I think he's the yeah. one freshman that's short of. I'm not saying he's going to flop, but I think he's the guy where he's maybe having his ebbs and flows more clearly. You know, when we talk about this in like mid December or something. So. Sam, where I, are you at I, on
1: Proctor? I want to I hear. I guess go yeah, first, guy. then
2: Proctor's, Proctor's too. awesome.
1: Proctor's awesome.
0: The- so, yeah, I, I would have said Whitehead before the foot injury in terms of leading Duke and scoring, but the foot injury, like, worries me a little bit because mm-hmm. those tend to linger uh, just in terms of, like, especially a guy that we have some questions about in terms of his jumper and uh, we have – like, I agree with you totally. Like, I have some like polish questions on him. Like, a lot of what he does is like straight line power drives to the basket, um, physically overwhelming guys at the high school level a lot of the time. Um, and he can do that in college. Like, I think that he's strong enough and capable enough to do so. But if he's 90% of what he's capable of, even, what is that drop off? I guess is my concern. I, I really like Filipowski's skill set a lot. Uh, but in terms of Proctor, I think he's an awesome fit next to Jeremy Roach in the backcourt more than anything. Like you're going to free up Jeremy Roach to be able to score a little bit. Proctor is awesome in ball screens. He's so good as a passer and playmaker. He's also a good defender at six foot four. Um, You're going to be able to be a little bit more versatile in terms of where you can. I don't want to say hide Jeremy Roach defensively. Like I don't think he's a bad defender, but Proctor's size and his uh, tenacity on that end is going to allow you to mix and match a little bit more in terms of where you can play him, I think. Uh, Yeah, I love the fit there. I think that Proctor is going to be like a critical piece in getting all of these guys involved. Uh, He's one that I think I probably fucked up not ranking in my preseason mock draft. Uh, I I think that he might be a one-and-done, to be honest. I think he's really good.
1: Can I ask you about Matt's coach coach s take that he said on our podcast that i wanted to skewer him for he said he would rather have he'd rather have john shire coaching duke than billy donovan how do you feel about that he didn't i realized donovan was
2: this is my thing with the nba like good coaches go from good to bad overnight and they go from bad to good overnight so i missed like the billy donovan becoming a good coach again like he was like the butt of jokes for years i thought at okc wasn't or or, um, uh chicago where was he
0: he was So his first couple of years, people had some questions about him as a coach in Oklahoma City. It kind of turned a little bit uh, by the end of his tenure at Oklahoma City. Like you look back at the, what was it? I think it was the 2019-20 year when they went 44 and 28. That was like the year that he made the three point guards with like Chris Paul, Shea Gildas, Alexander, Dennis okay. Schroeder work. He's doing some yeah, and since then, like he, he's made it work. Like I think that that Bulls roster is not ideal in terms of like NBA construction with the way that. You know Nikola Vucevic and Demar Derozan and like Pat Williams all really like to kind of be in that like mid range like mid post area, and they, he runs like really creative stuff to kind of make sure that they don't bump into each other, and uh, he staggers his lineups pretty well. He figured out like late last year that they could go small with like Caruso and uh, or like midway through last year, I'm sorry, where like they could go small with like Caruso and Lonzo and then Levine and Derozan and really make it almost impossible to guard them before caruso and lonzo got hurt so yeah no i i think billy donovan's really good i would probably rather a billy donovan uh that's not it's probably the right take it's probably a slight hit shire who i think is gonna be i think shire is gonna be awesome by the way like yeah i'm with sam here guys
1: people are Rick Pitino yeah, went to Pros and got laughed out of it and came back and was immediately an elite yeah, coach. Right? Right, I don't think Billy right. Donovan failing at OKC would have He won a couple of titles. He <laughs> didn't fail at <laughs> OKC. Right right, beat, right, right, right. If he had like, failed, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I, I will say this. I, I I trust Shire more than I trust like late career coach K in terms yes. of yes. Yes. the my that. Most can't know roster? that,
3: guys. You can't know that.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I reject this. He coached like,
1: the Forest game last year, and Matt was, it's, Matt was like diving into the tape on that one.
0: It's more that – look, I, I don't think it's worth diving into the tape on that. It's more that I think <laughs> Coach K didn't Say quite Say do enough How to elevate – duke at times oh, uh over you. the later portion of his career do you uh, think the fact
1: it's... that zion had like nine ball screens his entire <laughs> freshman year was an issue
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes i do actually uh yeah look i mean you look at that duke team last year they went 32 and 7 they were really good and they were so talented right uh I, it's just like look at the way they used paulo and like look at what his skill set is i mean he can like, he can play point. And yeah, he's a it, great took him, it took him a while. It took him to like two thirds of the year to figure out that Paulo was their best passer and playmaker uh, on the It took him team. like two thirds of
1: the Arkansas game to put him in the mid post <laughs> and let him <laughs> yeah. just pick apart that defense. And he finally. Yeah.
0: Did. So, like, look, like maybe, maybe Shire, it takes him like a bit of time to figure it out. But look and this is all due respect to what coach k accomplished he's a phenomenal coach and was an incredible coach in like the 80s 90s and 2000s i think that people caught up to him in like a pretty right. real substantial yeah. way and uh what duke was getting out of k later in his career was probably not as valuable as what they got out of him early in his career yeah. in terms of on coach or on like coaching. Um, so, I would bet on Shire being an upgrade, but that obviously there's variance there, like what Kai is saying. Um, like, we, we don't know with Shire. Yeah, Shire it's more, or
2: Hubert Davis, Mr. Bassini? I'm pushing on that. Oh, side.
0: God. That's gross. That's one where I'm like, <laughs> we don't know enough about Shire yet. Hubert's yeah. really good. Like, Hubert yeah. figured that out last year um, by midseason with a roster that, like, still. Like barely like it made sense as a roster, but like they didn't have certain things like Caleb Love was an inconsistent playmaker. They figured out how to like get r j davis uh into like a bit more space and like make that work a little bit more and like let him uh initiate the offense and let Caleb like be the guy that could just focus on scoring right. um they figured out different sets to get Brady manic open threes like they actualized leaky black like here's the other thing that people kind of forget too like early in the year last year, I think they were expecting Dawson Garcia to be like a pretty important piece for them, at least off the bench, like to be like a sixth man that like carries their uh, He was starting. He was starting, but like, you know, at the very least, I think they were anticipating that and he just departed and they had to adjust on the fly to something totally different. And Hubert figured it out. And like, maybe you can say that that limited roles and made things a little bit easier on some level, but uh, yeah, I think that the way Hubert adjusted over the course of the season was very, very impressive to me. The answer yeah. Hubert, Matthew.
2: He- I think the answer... What? How can you be so confident in that
0: Mr. McKeon's been like? Because he made a since. national
2: title last year. Did we, we just talk about how the tournament's a crapshoot? Can we just talk about how the tournament's a crapshoot? And weren't they like the number happen?
1: three team in the country from February first? Yeah, they or they really like no, they're awesome. I'm
2: not just, I'm not discounting that. Great I don't season. think. You know, like Hubert has like a decade long track record here, and Shire
3: has zero track record. I think they're pretty close. I think both are very zero. good coaches. Yeah. So I don't know how you can answer Shire right now. You can't. There's no evidence. Yeah, I, we're we're projecting. We're
0: projecting. We're predicting based we're on astecare.
1: They based on, on the, the Wake Forest,
0: Forest game, Kai. Right. Based, based on what Duke.
1: Matt wants to see, what he hopes to see. <laughs> yeah, right. If there's, there's one
0: thing
3: everyone knows. It's that uh, the Duke coaching tree never fails. And never fails. Everyone's <laughs> always a really good coach that went to Duke and coached under Coach K. Yeah. There's so much guys competition. Always work
1: out to take over for K because all those guys <laughs> just won like crazy at every other spot. Yes. <laughs>
0: i've brought out the bullying matt uh zone here I'm which a, is beautiful yeah. it's <laughs> yeah. our favorite part of there's our actually podcast. a good uh, yeah. a good, uh yes. a good logo yes.
2: article today sam and you're uh in your publication so how uh, how timely yeah. we can promote that right now he's uh oh, he's chilling out my... Utah right now
0: goodness i love it uh okay let's uh let's go to this idea that this is the year of the big man which we've alluded to a little bit obviously armando Baycott's back hunter dickinson is back drew timmy is back Colin Castleton is back. Uh, like just look across the country and there are an enormous number of very, very, very high level big men that decided against turning professional and decided to return to college basketball. How let's start here. Who do we think is the best of those guys? And then who do we think is the most consequential decision to return to college basketball, uh, in terms of affecting the national race, mm. I will start
3: with Kai. Uh, best is Temmy. I I thought he's been a top five player the last two years in college basketball. Shouldn't drop off anymore. Keeps getting smarter, more experienced. So Temi's my answer for best player. Most consequential, I think it's probably Armando Baycott in, in terms of uh, what the team would be without him coming back, and what the team is with him coming back, A K. A lot of people's number one team in the country right now. You would not see that if he was gone. They'd probably be outside the top 10, maybe even lower. Possibly you could say Hunter Dickinson affects Michigan the same way. I think Kentucky would be fine without Shibway, to be honest, even though I do think he's among the best players in the country. Um, But yeah, I I think it's Baycat, Matthew.
1: What are you <laughs> Sam's, Sam's cackling yeah. a mute at at that Oscar comment. That's
0: what? It. Oh my goodness! What? I mean, what did I, I say, look, I have some questions about Oscar, but good fucking god, guy, they'd be fine without him. They'd be they're Kentucky worse. They're good. I mean, look, they would have. Here's the thing if if Oscar wouldn't have come back, they would have figured out someone in the port, right. Basically, right. I think is the yeah, way. And, what, and I, the one thing I like
1: about UNC too. I do, but the Kai, what I like about your point is I don't think Nance goes there if Baycott's not back. Like, I, I think that's probably part of sure, building yeah. that foundation. And I, I don't know for sure if love returns if, if Baycott doesn't come back. Like, maybe there is some sort of uh, domino effect with them. Right. And Baycott was kind of the, the tone setter, the the beast inside that played on the ankle and in the finals and, and gave them that emotional lift. So I kind of buy that as like the most impactful on national rankings. Matt, do you have a, a different answer? I was. I guess
2: Timmy's the best, right? I think I we said this in our podcast. He's gone from, he's now like underrated because people have over nitpicked his flaws, I think, in too many big national games where I mean, he's still an awesome player and his post game is, you know, very, it's otherworldly. And I think he's still actually has room to improve. And I think we'll see like minor steps this season from Timmy. Um, I, I Can I say a tie between Colin Castleton and, um and ryan kalker from creighton two teams that i think had the potential yeah. to creep into like that top 10 range we talk about there's a lot of teams that can win the title i don't i'm not ready to put creighton in title conversation i'm not really ready to put florida there but you could see a world in which they both are in that conversation by february and the key reasons will be kalken and castle up front just with how well they protect the rim and i think how quickly their offensive games are 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 growing i know florida's going to try and use uh castle as more as like a You know, play through him right back to that whole play through the post to help to develop your your passing out of the post. And that's kind of a new cheat code in college, in my opinion.
1: I want to bully Matt for saying a tie because that's such a Matt move, but I like it. it. I I approve of the answer because we like both of those big guys they're awesome
0: yeah it's funny like the, the next question i was going to ask is who do you think is the most underrated big in the country and I was, like i wanted Kalk to talk about you
1: guys
0: Kalk yeah Renner. yeah kulk like would have been like a real answer for me his defensive ability is like phenomenal i think like he basically lifted up that creighton team defensively and, and fouls somehow like yeah. yeah despite all that yeah and like I, I i i, I really think out out a last year yeah, was, yeah yeah like it, it's weird to me because you look at the projections for instance on torvik right like Creighton is a top 20 projected defense in like an offense that is projected outside of the top 40 yeah, uh, upside down world. that it but like also like doesn't really line up to me. Uh, they have a loaded team in terms of like shooting, playmaking, uh, like decision making. like they have three legit guards who can dribble past shoot in Ryan Nemhard uh Trey Alexander and now Baylor Shireman Shireman is an absolute sniper they have a killer mid post option Mm -hmm. uh for bailout plays with Arthur Kaluma, who's going to be really really important for them and might be their best long-term prospect they have great depth not just good depth but great depth in the backcourt with Farabello and Sharif Mitchell who can be an impact player defensively uh to come in and like kind of change the pace of things and then on top of it They've Mason Miller who can come in and like potentially space the floor. I I think Creighton is loaded. Like if you believe in their defense, because Ryan Kalkbrenner is there, I think you should absolutely believe in their offense because for all of, you know, Greg McDermott, whatever you want to say about the guy, the guy is a fucking phenomenal offensive basketball coach that is going to know how to use these options in terms of shooting and floor spacing and playmaking in a really creative way. I think Creighton's like a no doubt like top 10 team for me, uh, given the fact that I can actually trust them defensively because of Ryan Kalkbrenner.
1: Right. They're not no doubt top 10 for me. (laughs) Their offense was outside the top 100 last year with all of the brilliance of McDermott. And I think everybody's.
0: But they were young. They were young last year, Jimmy. Come on. Their best
1: players gone. Ryan Hawkins was the guy that made them competent in some. It, like if you watch the game, it's like, yeah, well, Hawkins yeah. hit a big shot. Thank God. I think everybody is painting their sophomores with this exact straight up development curve brush. Yeah. They're all going to be the best versions of themselves because, like, people pick out the final three games of Kaluma and the like a little bit down the stretch of Alexander, and, and they ignore the bad samples. hard pre injury,
0: yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: and some of those guys had some really bad stretches. Nemhard was a horrific shooter last year, and yeah. I think that matters. You can't just like, like Kaluma too. Like, you can't just pick out these good games from these guys. And people did this with Rocket Watts, his final like three games at Michigan State of his freshman year, and then he sucked his sophomore year. Like, there, it's not automatic that these guys get better and become the version you want them to be. And I think they'll still have ups and downs. And maybe the best version at the end of the year when they've developed is national title contender but i i think there's going to be a little bit of a rockier road than people are assuming sam can i, I think ask
3: yeah yeah yeah. go ahead this year's creighton team or 2020s creighton team with Zagorowski? uh
0: 2020 had zegarowski they had Ballick, who else was on that team tyson alexander
3: bishop Ballick, yep. jefferson
0: that was like mahoney was on that team yep uh yeah. this team for sure mahoney, is more, this team is for sure more for talented sure. wow uh, look, uh, it, it, and it's because of the defensive side of the court. Like, Kulk, like for as much as we love Tyshon Alexander, uh, and his ability to defend at the point of attack, like Kalkbrenner is undeniably like a more valuable defensive player than Tyshawn, right? Agreed. Um. Yeah. And then they have like a similar amount of like floor spacing and dribble pass shoot. Uh oh, maybe not quite a similar amount similar. in terms of like in terms of like I Alexander Zegarowski and Balak were all like absolute snipers, whereas yeah. you're hoping that Alexander and Nemhard take a leap forward as shooters. But like Shireman is on their level he's as, the as a shooter. Like he's yeah. the sniper that is there. Um I think Kaluma is going to take a big leap. Like that, that's kind of where I'm at. Like Kaluma's like the super version of like the Jefferson Mahoney role and then yep. have like an actual true big there, which is something that team didn't really have. Like they had um they'd like oh, never yeah. really had.
2: Like like name the last example that that McDermott's had that's anything like calc But,
0: but yo, know, no, 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 nothing like that. But they had someone on that team. I forget who it was. that could come in and like be six foot 10 or something like that. Be six foot 11. Oh,
2: they had Kelvin Jones, the
3: uh, your boy, yeah. Kelvin Jones the, from uh, Idaho State. Idaho State, that's, that's right. Awesome.
0: <laughs> I was <laughs> gonna say, I, I remember them being oh, able to man. put a big man on the court. Uh, this year, uh, like they, they have everything they need this year from a talent perspective to be a great team. If Trey Alexander and Ryan Nemhard take a leap as a shooter, uh, that, that's really all I'm worried about because like I trust. Ryan Emhard to go out and make great decisions. I trust Trey Alexander to be like the X-Factor playmaker who can lead their second unit, honestly, in minutes where Ryan Emhard is out. They have Farabella who can come in and make really good decisions. It's like an older player. Uh, Their offense, I think, is going to run really, really smoothly just because they have so much playmaking and ball handling ability. Uh, And then they have Shireman, who's like a killer sniper. They have guys that, like, here's the thing about Kaluma: You actually have to treat him as a like real floor spacing like ish kind of guy because if you don't get up on him and make contact on him early he is going to get to the basket because he's stronger and more physical than you are like you have to actually touch him uh as he has the ball because if you get him in a straight line driving he's downhill and it's done so i think they're going to space the floor well i think they have great playmaking we trust Kalk brenner inside i don't know like I, I get what you're saying, Jim. I think there are. I would sign with Jim. I would sign with concern. Jim. This is a pretty convincing
2: case, though. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I've actually put Creighton aside. So I'm gonna rate them like last of any team. It's been the most polarized, polarized yeah. team of the offseason, season. So I'm gonna do them last. I'm compiling all information. This is good. These are just more inputs for me, Sam. Thank you for the, I, the I, bullish case.
0: I get what Jim is saying because it's trusting Nemhard Alexander, particularly. I think those two to like get better and like take that next leap. But even if only one of them takes that leap, you still have Mitchell and Farabello off the bench to come in and like be able to make at least plays happen. And like, look, I mean, are those guys like the best players in the world? No. <laughs> no. But like I that's probably the best backup backcourt in the Big East, right? I do like Mitchell Mitchell and he's healthy.
2: He's pretty good. I'm actually a, a fan of him as you're making the point about depth. I think if Mitchell, like your fourth guard off the bench, that's a pretty damn good place to be at. So,
0: yeah. So, you know, I, I think this is a good team. I'm, um, I'm pretty in on the roster construction, at least. Like, I think Jim brings up good points here, but like, I'm in on the roster construction for Creighton. Yeah. Um, I have them like 13th.
1: I don't think this is like yeah, a garbage yeah, yeah. dumpster fire. I just like, I think the, <laughs> everyone has shoved them into top five. And I'm just like, are we sure? Are we just remembering the things we like about them? This is like an ex
0: girlfriend. No. Oh, she was so nice. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on the idea of them being like a top five team. Like, I don't know that I would go there yet. Uh okay. like you look at the projection systems, like they have them like in the twenties right now. But yeah. like I, I would have Gonzaga, I would have Baylor, I would have North Carolina, I would have Houston ahead of them, like unquestionably coming into the year. I, I wouldn't really even have to think twice about it. It's more I think like that like six through ten range, I think is where they settle. And as we kind of talk about, and as we talked about before the show, like We often underrate drastically the number of teams that can make a final four in the preseason. Yeah. Right, Like, you know, everyone talks about like, oh, yeah, there are like 20 teams that can make the Final Four. Fucking North Carolina was like dead in the water in January last year and made the Final Four. Uh, every year, there's a team that makes the Final Four that never would have appeared on those like January lists that could make, yeah. th- no make the Final Four.
1: No one thought Arizona could make the Final Four last year, and they yeah. were one of the best five teams in the country. So
0: Yeah, and meanwhile, we're talking about like uh, all these bigs and like didn't mention Azolas tobelis like didn't yeah. mention – uh, you know, a number of other really, really great bigs like, you know, Dickinson, like, Trace Jack. Davis. Was, hey, Zach. He's probably Trace the, Jackson Davis. Another yeah. a good
2: answer to your question. Yeah. Of who's the most momentous to his team? Like imagine yeah. prognosticating Purdue this year without Edie. That, that, that would be a whole lot of, and that would be a, just a vastly different trajectory.
0: Yeah. And like, I think Trace Jackson Davis has a chance to be like the best player in the country. If things like really broke, right. Yeah. Uh, He's absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, like the fact that I haven't mentioned him until now is, I think it just says how many bigs there are around the country and how different this is and how sunburnt Jim looks now because of that light that he just put yeah. on. I yeah. love that. <laughs> I'm looking really red.
1: I, I have not been in the sun, so I might I might turn it back off.
0: Jim can like barely walk right now because of the torn ACL. <laughs> and meanwhile, he looks like he's just been sitting by the car wheels. All time. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a struggle. Okay. A struggle right now. The, the last question I have on the bigs is who is this year's like breakout big man? Like the guy that you're looking at as a potential guy that nobody is talking about right now. Oh. Okay. Paul, me.
2: Go. It, go Matt, Matt, Tristan de Silva. Bangs
0: gavel. Okay. Give, give me the Tristan Desilva. I guess day. he was
2: kind of awesome last year. I, and it, and explain for out?
0: explain for people who listen to my podcast who the fuck Tristan Desilva? Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this
1: isn't the three man we've uh,
2: He's a Colorado big guy who is going to yeah. come in the wake of Jabari Walker's phenomenal sophomore yeah. season last year. I think he's every bit as skilled, and and I think he actually led the Pac-12 in effective. Like he shot, he's like, has a chance to go forty, fifty, ninety. Is a big? He's like skilled and fluid. I just love his game. I think he's going to be a smart Matt, have you said who Tristan
0: Da Silva plays for? Yeah, you plays said for he's Colorado. throwing in the,
2: yes. Colorado. Okay. For people Sorry. who don't but know where Jabari
0: him. Walker went to school. I got,
2: I got way too excited about Tristan Da Silva. I watched some tape of him today, and I was <laughs> like, wow, this guy's awesome. I just forgot about how good he was. Um, that's
0: uh, my answer. Okay. Is
1: that too off the beaten path for for this? No, I
0: love it. Probably. It's good. Th- those are the kind of those are the kind of answers that we're looking for. Jim, give I'm, me an answer.
1: I'm, I'm giving two names, so I hope I'm not stealing from Kai. One uh, is... You? Bruce Triore of BYU, I uh, I, I, he he's just a monster. Like his, he's got a seven-one wingspan. He's only six-seven, but I call him Mini Mormon Oscar because he is a <laughs> beast on both ends of the uh, of the of the, the court. On the glass, he's disruptive uh, with his length in his hands, and I think he's going to be a lot better offensively this year. So, big fan of him. And then the Loch Ness monster at Cincinnati, Victor Locken. Uh, he's a seven-foot. European big oh, that lock. started really strong last year and then kind of fell off because his first year in America and it, it just didn't fully click with him defensively. But I, I think he's going to be a beast for Cincinnati. So there's my two breakouts, Kai. I hope you uh, hope you have one. Well, you guys went really off the beaten path, like yeah, Kai, like get off, give some off the answers. entire radar. Um, Hell <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we did.
3: I'll go with a guy that people know in certain circles, Deron Holmes yes. from Dayton, uh, freshman last year. First team all conference last season. I think he's going to be player of the year in the A10 this year. I think he's going to be defensive player of the year in the A10 this season. Dayton could be a top twenty five team if they are. You're going to learn about Holmes pretty quickly. Six ten long, does just about everything.
0: Yeah, I agree with uh, I agree with Kai on both of those takes. I think that. Dayton is a team, particularly that I tried to target last year, and uh, took some took some financial losses early in the season when year they lost to umass lowell but i think i was just a year too early because yeah. tamani kamara deron holmes those guys are going to be really really good again that team mm. is just absolutely loaded talent wise for the a10 ended uh up my- 20 and 15 against the spread last year if, if you stuck with them yeah they paid out well ten which <laughs> i did i, <laughs> I did not flyers. stick unfortunately no. i made the mistake uh i got it i got back in like later in the year but i did <laughs> not stick in uh through the middle portion when they were actually probably valuable at a certain true, point true, true. um My pick is Coleman Hawkins uh, at Illinois. I love it. And the big reason why is that I think that they have enough just general talent around him to where he's just going to be able to be an absolute athletic freak for Illinois. And be able to just wreak havoc everywhere. Uh, This team is loaded like Terrence Shannon, Matthew Mayer, uh, Mm -hmm. like Sky Clark, Jaden Epps in the backcourt as freshman guards that could be valuable. Uh, This team should have the floor spacing to where Coleman Hawkins can just like absolutely eat as a rim runner uh, for Illinois and average like 15 points a game. Uh, I I am in on
3: Coleman Hawkins. I I agree, Sam, because when Kofi was out last year, you saw how good he was at the beginning of the year. It was like, whoa, who's this guy out of nowhere? And just kind of gleaning off press conferences that I was in with Illinois. I felt like Hawkins didn't truly know his role very well last year. He was just trying to fill in the voids between Kofi and everyone else. I think this year he has a more defined go out and do your thing. Coleman Hawkins from Brett Underwood.
1: I think he's going to be a star, too. Yeah, he can pass okay. and shoot too. Like he's yeah. skilled. He's he's awesome. Illinois is good. Killer. That's a good team. Yeah, that's a really good Killer.
0: team. Um, okay, who is the best guard, non Marcus Sasser edition, uh, in college basketball? Cause I, would we all agree that Marcus Sasser is the best returning guard to college basketball? Yeah. Yes, I
2: would. Yep.
0: Okay, so let's say non Marcus Sasser edition. Who is the best returning guard to college basketball? That's Hendrick Davis.
1: He's awesome. Okay. Um, but he's he's at Memphis, and I, I'm curious to see how he's used there because SMU, I mean, he was just given the keys to the car. It was score if you want to, pass if you want to, get in the lane whatever you want. You're a jitterbug. You're great in ball screens. I think Memphis is going to use him the same way. I actually talked to Penny Hardaway for the almanac. Bring that back circle in full <laughs> circle here. Um, and he's like, yeah, I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Like I watched him at SMU up close and personal. He won our league's player of the year. He's great. We're going to let him be do his thing. So I, it's probably Kendrick Davis for me, but there's a couple fringe ones. That's my answer. Kai, what do you got? I'm going to give a
3: bit of a cute answer here. And I'm not sure I totally believe it, but I don't think this guy gets enough credit in in the national sense. And that's tiger Campbell
0: for me. That's who I was going to say. Actually, Kai.
3: I think he's out of here. Awesome. He's awesome. He's a, he's got that swagger plus the awesome hair. And, and he improved his shooting last year, which is one of his biggest, you know, downfalls from the years before, Shot over forty percent from three. He never turns the ball over. Runs the offense really well for them. I think UCLA is going to be somehow a little bit underrated this year with him and Hockeys. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I think Campbell's excellent.
2: Sorry, I yeah. went. Uh, I threw you to the fire. I just uh, when I'm picking this, I need a guy who can like who's a killer and an alpha sort of way. And Campbell actually did a little bit of that last season, so I don't want to like discount that. He but can I be just, a killer. He can be, I yeah. but I think Davis is like I can take over games by myself, and I carried a whole team for three straight years. And I think Davis is probably the right answer. I'll probably go Flagler. I'm going to go in that Baylor lineage of guards. Flagler's shot making is just devastating, especially in transition. Um, man, it's tough though. I, the guards are down this year. I think you're kind of if people are like, "What? These are the names you're yeah. mentioning." It's sort of a a it, it kind of speaks volumes about They're- lack of
3: guard play because your NBA, Sam, your NBA keeps poaching our. I think they're guys. down till they're not. I think you're going to see a lot of good guard play. We just are waiting on Cassius Winston was a no name before he became player of the year candidate, right? For Michigan State. No one expected him yeah. to break out. That he's year. He I mean, he's to a top
0: 50 level. recruit he, in the country, though. He, we, we knew him, but he, yeah, went but to he like, was like, well, holy of crap, he
3: shoots 60%
2: from yeah. three level. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, my pick. Other, I think that the two guys that came to mind for me were Tiger Campbell and Mike Miles at TCU. Oh, I think nice. Mike Miles has a chance to be awesome Miles. this year for TCU. He returned to school after kind of initially deciding that he was just done with college and like wanted to go pro. Um, his playmaking ability, his three-level scoring, I would imagine he's going to try and improve on the passing ability this year. Like That's probably what teams uh, in the NBA told him. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Mike Miles. Uh, I think that Mike Miles and Tiger Campbell probably would have been would have been my two answers. I think RJ Davis is a reasonable answer as well. I um, thought
1: that was going to be cute. Kai's cute answer yeah, was RJ Davis. Davis. Is a good I pick. thought that was, was going to go.
0: I, I'll I, say I, this too. I like for love, but I'm, I'm the guy I'm that really like I, I the guy that I'm like most excited about, or I would have been most excited about watching was Tyrese Hunter. But I'm a little bit worried about the fit between Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter. Yeah. Texas. The yeah. fit
1: stinks. The fit stinks.
0: Yeah. Like I think Tyrese Hunter is like a future, you know, second round pick, like NBA backup guard, just being six foot tall, it's hard. Um, but I, I just don't know what that looks like this year, I guess is what I would say. Um, I am a big Tyrese Hunter fan though. Uh okay, last question here national player of the year odds. Those are not up at Bet MGM yet, but they are up at William Hill uh armando baycott eight to one drew timmy eight to one oscar Shiboy 10 to one jaime haquez 11 to one caleb love 12 to one jalen wilson 14 to one strother 14 to one marcus sasser 15 to one uh nick smith and tiger campbell 16 to one, Hunter dickinson 20 to one trace jackson davis 25 to one and monty bates 28.
1: oh emu is going deep in the tournament
0: sure maybe no no thoughts on that. Um, it's, a, it's a sad situation. I don't have thoughts on that.
1: I'm laughing yeah. at the odds. To be very clear,
0: right. the odds are the odds makers. makers.
1: It's not going to happen.
0: Uh, Kevin McCuller, thirty to one. Kendrick Davis, Kendrick Davis, forty to one. Baylor Shireman, Mike Miles, forty to one. Matt Bradley, Posh Alexander, Isaiah Wong, Zach Edie, Tyrese Hunter, Antoine Davis, fifty to one. Uh, and then stash. that's gonna be it. Who is the name on that list? In terms of odds, that sticks out to you. Let's start with Matt. I think King Kendrick is is a good bet just because I think Memphis does have, does
2: have pretty serious upside, even though it's an older team. I actually think this team has quite a bit of upside despite being older. Um, and he's a guy. Can, that can you has,
0: sell me on that real quick? Because I'm struggling with that take. You don't. You're not a Memphis guy this year. I don't love the talent. I love the athleticism. I don't love the talent. Jim has a Outside good, well baked Memphis Davis. take. I don't
2: want to recite his points, um, but but I think Kendrick. I'll paraphrase what he says much more eloquently. He he kind of solves a lot of their issues, and I still think they have a lot of rim protection. Do they have the imposing dominant shot blocker they've had the last past years when they've had a top five, top 10 defense? No, but I think it's pretty close with the guys they brought in. So there's a lot more adults on that team, and I just tend to think it's going to work this season.
0: I mean, it also helps that they have a player in DeAndre Williams that is older than Devin Booker I believe. Is he 27? Uh, and Devin 26? Booker has been in the NBA for 7 years. <laughs> DeAndre Williams is 26. He'll play this year at 26. That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's if he's not if he's not older than Devin Booker, it's like very close that he's older than Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. Um jim so, sorry
2: nick smith is gonna be my actual yeah, go ahead. answer. i think nick smith okay, has nick like smith. major star breakout potential and arkansas has a lot of that cachet to him and they're gonna only play like seven guys for the final two months of the year and he'll put up video game stats i think nick smith's a special player yeah i think he could be a
1: like a holy cow uh, i won't steal your answer sam because i think i know who you're gonna go with and i kind of tend to agree with it as as the best value no,
0: go ahead because I, I have another one go ahead
1: Okay, well, I was going to go uh, – I'll, I'll give a, a down-the-board bet too, but Sasser is the guy I love. I, I think he could emerge as best guard on best team. Uh, I obviously beat the drum for Houston earlier, so I've got to give a, Sasser a little love here. He's the shooting star for a team that maybe is a little star for perimeter shooting. Uh, he's going to be very important in that regard. So 15-1, to 1, a little down the line from all those big men I kind of like. Uh, and then down the board – you know what, Kai pointed it out to me, so I won't swipe it. I'll, I'll I'll leave if he doesn't say it. I'll I'll reiterate it. But go ahead, Kai.
3: I, I can't remember who you're referring to, but uh, okay. oh oh Edie, yeah Edie fifty yeah. to one. He could yeah, average Zach yeah. Edie twenty to fifteen. One.
1: Yeah,
3: <laughs> right. I think that's. I mean, value wise, Sasser is the best value in my opinion, and then it's Edie. But boy, you got the returning National Player of the Year at the third shortest odds, ten to one for Sheboy. nurse uh, is a real thing, and. I think voters who are basically just media members are going to be thinking that guy won player of the year last year. He had the exact same stats. Why shouldn't he be player of the year this year? I'm going with she boy.
1: Yeah. What's, what's stronger, Sam inertia or exhaustion? I yeah. Uh, I, don't know.
0: I will say in awards, voting, it does tend to be exhaustion, but yeah, the likability factor, I think with Oscar is really yeah. important. Also the fact that you like Kentucky is going to be relevant the whole year. Right. Um, like that that yeah, I think that those outweigh things and I think people like because of how likable Oscar is, if he goes out and has mm-hmm. a killer year again and improves like defensively and improves and averages like eighteen and sixteen or eighteen and seventeen as opposed to what did he average, like sixteen and fifteen last year. I think that there will be a real desire to there won't there won't be as much uh concern about exhaustion because he's so likable and just people really enjoy the presence that is oscar shibwe uh trace jackson davis is mine like this indiana team is going to be really good good uh trace jackson davis 25 to 1 uh i think mike woodson like really figured out how to get him post touches last year at a really high level i think he's a killer defender uh if he averaged 20 and 10 this year that wouldn't blow my mind at all I i think he in terms of like I don't think, and look, we didn't do it enough on this podcast either, but like, in terms of most impactful player or best player in college basketball, there is a real case for Trace Jackson Davis like he is all around just a killer player, I think for Indiana. Um, do you have any other last takes to get out here before I let you all depart?
1: I'll say on these odds i I, I think the exhaustion almost probably factors more into Timmy. I think it's going to be really hard for Drew Timmy to win National Player of the Year for Gonzaga, the team that people are kind of like, you always, you, two straight Timmy led teams have not gotten as far as, the, or they didn't reach the ceiling, they didn't climb the mountain. So that's probably more exhaustion than, than Oscar has.
0: Matt and Kai, do you have any final takes on college basketball yeah. as a whole?
3: Oh, yeah. Go by the Almanac. Uh, it's the best nice. college basketball Woo! for you We're done. Uh, 1,300 words in every single team. So from Mississippi Valley State to Gonzaga, every single team covered, get you prep for the year.
1: Anonymous coach polls in every conference about best, best XO coach, yes. breakout player, best pro player in every conference. That Those are great. There's some national content write-ups at the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be very extensive. There, there's a lot of information to digest in there
0: yeah I think that, as you guys can tell, and Matt, you should get a final say here as well. these guys uh really do a phenomenal job uh they were willing to wax poetically about bigs for b y u uh for minutes on this show uh and and matt uh Matt didn't have the context to understand that nobody on the podcast knew who the fuck Tristan de Silva is <laughs> so
2: uh <laughs> Matt, your last... That thing. was my final thought. I was like, make sure you guys go Google Tristan Da Silva. He plays for <laughs> Colorado. It's a school in Boulder. It's a very nice city. You can indulge in some extracurricular activities. You enjoy the mountains and such and kind of take it all in later there. That's my final two cents of wisdom for the listeners out there.
0: I love it. We'll do this again. I have thought of an idea to like just run through the betting odds for each conference uh, in the preseason. I don't know if I will steal you or someone else to do this, but uh, this has been a really fun show. Uh, Do you guys have anything you want to plug outside of the Almanac?
1: Do we do anything else besides that, guys? Pretty much no. Twitter, 3MW underscore CB.
3: Nice. Yeah, check us out. Podcast, all that stuff. I'm very bad at it. Tell
1: tell the
0: people about the podcast, please.
3: Yeah, our podcast, Three Man Weave, College Basketball Podcast, every single week previews hit on games during the year betting lens and also from a news perspective and an insight takes perspective on college it's, basketball
1: it's a very on-court focused uh, yes. we're not really like in you know plugged in insiders like matt norlander and, and gary Parrish do we're not comedy like the the titus and tate like we're we're trying to look oh, at the funny. games and analyze well yeah we're we're, we're the PBS of college basketball. We're the CNN of college <laughs> oh, basketball. Oh, that's tough.
2: That sounds that's tough, tough right? Yeah. yeah. You can edit that out, please. <laughs> Do I need I'm trying to sum up like? how you guys
1: describe this. Like, we're not that cool, and we're not that You guys see insider. why they bullied us? <laughs> we're th- we're the, what, are we the history channel of college basketball? Yeah, the podcast? History, the national <laughs> geographic of college basketball. Oh, we're the shark week goodness. of college basketball podcast. There you so, go. <laughs> Yeah,
0: (laughs) this has been the Game Theory Podcast please remember, rate, review, subscribe, do everything you can to support the show, we will be back next week with more I believe the first show next week will be a spins episode on the draft in some way uh, or another idea that we've been thinking about and then Wednesday and Friday we will have some early NBA training camp stuff Uh, but there will be more college basketball breakdown-y stuff like this uh, as we get closer to the college basketball season But until next time, we will talk soon.